Today, with the Universal Church, we celebrate the feast day of the Holy Family. Not a lot is known, and not a lot of people really take the time out to study the Holy Family. Nor when we study the Holy Family, we look at it from the outside and see how it's this picturesque kind of family. Kind of if we look up to the nativity scene, it's, it's all cute, it's picturesque, it's perfect. But that's far beyond what is truly there in sight. If we truly take the time to connect the dots and see and study the Holy Family, it's not as picturesque as it seems. But on the contrary, it's very much more similar to our reality and the struggles we face in our families than it is the picturesque we claim it to be. We celebrate the Holy Family as a model, and we model our family after them. But what do they really model? What do they show us? It's not as perfect as it seems. This Holy Family is not as special as it seems either. So let us look at the life of the Holy Family and really see the connections, the similarities between the Holy Family and our own family. Just as our family, the Holy Family faced a lot of trials and tribulations, sad and happy moments within their lives, and they're no different than you and I. We look at the beginning where it all began at the Annunciation of Mary. The angel appeared to Mary. She was just betrothed to Joseph. And we see the angel appear to Mary and ask her to bear the Son of God. But what is interesting is we understand the culture and understand that context. Mary hasn't gone home to Joseph yet. She's married to Joseph, but she hasn't gone home to him yet. But if Mary is going to go home to Joseph, questions begin to arise. How is Mary pregnant before coming home to Joseph? As we then continue to unpack it, when then Mary comes home to Joseph and Joseph finds out she's pregnant, culture and scripture tells us that she would be stoned to death in the city center because it's seen as adulterous. So Joseph, being a just and righteous man, wants to leave Mary in silence and not condemn her. But what happens? We find that the angel then appears to Joseph and instructs him to take Mary home and to raise that child as his, as his own child and to name him Jesus. I don't know about you, but that doesn't really sound picturesque. That doesn't sound perfect, as we all claim and think about the Holy Family to be. And then as we approach Christmas, we come to find Mary and Joseph go knocking at every door, seeking a place to stay. A lot of scripture scholars debate back and forth between why that is the case. But there seems to be two common camps that occur from it. One, because they are poor and no one wants to bring anyone in if they were poor. Two, this seems a little more plausible. When you look at the culture in that day and age, 
everyone grew up around the same neighborhood. Imagine if that the street Hudgens right here belonged to the Hudgens family for generation to generation. Grandparents, great-grandparents, uncles and aunts all lived down the street together. Mary and Joseph coming down the street knocking as strangers, as family, but strangers. Because everyone knows what happened to Mary. When you live in a small town, gossip occurs. People share, people talk about you. And what is subtle and interesting is this. Especially as they prepare, if they bring someone unclean into their house, they have to go through the ritual of purification. And around that time as they prepared, they were prepared for a great festivity. And so they didn't want to prepare to cleanse themselves again if they brought something unclean into their house. So what was interesting is no one brought, invited Mary and Joseph into their house but instead gave them the stable under their house where all their family members kept their cattle, their livestock, because that heat that the cattle was giving off would then rise above to the house and keep the living quarters warm. So instead of giving and receiving a dignified place by family, they were ostracized, neglected, and turned a blind eye to family. Jesus wasn't born in this beautiful papal palace, this beautiful house adorned in gold and jewels, but instead in a manger surrounded by not, a, not family, but animals. Not being welcomed into the world with this round applause, a big love with family surrounding him, but instead surrounded by those neglected and hated by society. The lowly of the low, the shepherd boys, were the ones to first welcome him into this world. And then as we continue to look, then the Holy Family, after Jesus is born, they don't get to sit and enjoy and relax either. They have to hurry up and pick up, and they have to flight to Egypt and find refuge in Egypt because Herod is going out to looking and look for those under the age of two especially boys, to kill them because Herod found Jesus to be someone he's afraid of. Afraid of this baby king who these magis talked about who would rule the world. And therefore he felt threatened and sought out every two-year-old boy and killed him. So instead of enjoying and, and being a, as a family welcoming a newborn child. As mothers, you know, newborn childs aren't easy to handle. They aren't really great. And then now you add on the flight to Egypt. Now imagine carrying a newborn child, not in a car, but on a donkey across the desert. It's not fun. And then they find themselves in Egypt as refugees trying to sustain themselves until they can return home. And as we continue, as Jesus grows up, like we hear at the end of the gospel, he grows up. And so as he grows up, we come to find out, once he turned 30, he leaves the house and spend those three years preaching the gospel. 
What is difficult and hard, especially in that culture, is the value of a woman was tied to their husband or their son. So if Jesus left the house, and let's say Joseph was not there, or Joseph died at a young age, then imagine where Mary would be. She wouldn't have anyone to rely on. She wouldn't have any value and worth in standing within society and no way to take care of herself. And then as Jesus goes out and preaches, he then ascend, dies and ascends to heaven and then leaves his mother by herself. This lesk and lesk of a picturesque moment. Sometimes when we talk about the Holy Family, we talk about it being a peaceful and beautiful family. But imagine yourself going in a big caravan worth of people with all your family and then believing your son is, gonna, is with his uncles and aunts spending their time in their caravan. And then all of a sudden recognizing and realizing my son is not here. I don't know about you, but my parents taking myself and my two siblings to the mall at that age, they were freaking out like crazy. Now, I can't imagine going on a caravan with a lot of my other family members and then figuring out, my mom figuring out that I've gone missing. But he goes missing. So they spend all this time looking for Jesus, freaking out among family members and friends. Could you imagine the gossip, the talk? Oh, this Mary and Joseph, they can't even control their son. They can't even keep track of their son. And trying to find Jesus in the crowd, tracing back their steps, and then rushing to the temple to find Jesus standing in their midst, the high priest, preaching to them. The craziness of life. As Jesus goes out and preaches, people begin to talk and, and say, hey, is that not the son of the carpenter? The son of Mary? Isn't that my cousin? Isn't that, are we all related? Don't I know this family? But he keeps talking about this end time, this glorious reign, this kingdom of heaven. He must be on something. He must be crazy. But he goes on three years preaching that. But then to be as a, his mother, to hear that, to hear that among the crowd, the community, the family, that they call your son crazy? That's not as picturesque as we want it to be. And then finally, the most gruesome and the hardest part of all, Mary, as his mother, watches her son, the one he loves, the one she loves the most, carry this cross, being beaten by all these Roman soldiers, carrying the cross to Calvary, and watch her son get crucified. And then to see him die on the cross because of this great plan she has received from God. I don't know about you mothers, but I've seen in my own mother and at so many other places that the death of a child is not an easy thing. To mourn the loss of a child, to mourn the loss of your only son. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very picturesque. 
I want us to look at this and kind of track through these things, not to detract and deter us from the Holy Family, but to begin to look at and understand these similarities that the Holy Family has with our own family, with our own daily reality. They're not too far from you and I. They're not too far from the struggles, the challenges our family faces in the world today. But what makes them different from us? What makes their family a holy family and our family just the family? Is because it was set aside. It was made holy. The word holy is to be made whole again. To be made whole again in our context is return back to the way we were meant to be from the beginning. To be set aside, to be made and sanctified, to be in right relationship with God. It's not because the Holy Family had Jesus in their midst that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were holy, were saints that made their family holy. But it was the fact that through all the trials and tribulations, all the difficulties, the ups and downs, the good, the bad, the uglies of life, they still remained faithful to God. They still kept God at the center of their family. And most importantly, grew in love to help each other become holy. To become whole again. To return themselves back to God. So today, as we celebrate the Holy Family, we bring and understand our own struggles within our families. The good, the bad, the uglies, the trials, the tribulations, the dramas, the separation, the arguments. We bring it to the Holy Family, seeking their help. Because they understand our struggle they understand the struggles of our family so that they can help us set God at the center, the core of our family, so that we as family, as husbands, as wives, as fathers, sons, mothers, daughters, we together can help each other become holy again, so that we can become whole again, so that we can return back to God the way we were meant to be in right worship and praise of God. That's why the Holy Family is holy. So let us ask and seek their intercessions, my dear brothers and sisters, for ourselves, for our family, for our family community here at St. George, so that following their example, through the trials, tribulations, and uncertainties and difficulties of life, we may remain faithful to God so that we can become holy just as they are holy. Amen.